Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I'm catching up with Byron Bay-based artist, Paul McNeil. How you going, Paul? Unreal. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat. Oh, pleasure. Fun. Yeah. Um, so we'll start off with the, uh, from the beginning, I guess. Um, so, so where are you from and how did you get into art? Um, well, I'm originally from New Zealand. I'm a Kiwi like so many people here in Australia. Um, and I, getting to art, I was, I was pretty hopeless at school, but um, I could draw pretty well. I was good at art um, for, for some reason. So uh, it was kind of one of those things I sort of stuck with um, and just enjoyed because uh, it's one of, you know, doing well at something's kind of, if it's enjoyable, it's good. So I stuck with that and um, and when I left school, I went, I dropped straight out of school, uh, high school and walked into a job at a screen printing and songwriting um, business and uh, I became a screen printer and a layout, what was called a layout artist then in those days, which is, net, or a commercial artist was another term, but now we know it as a graphic designer. And um, that was the sort of start of my uh, my career and I sort of haven't really deviated too much from that all my life really. It's um, the, the things I learned in that art department and that, that company sort of stuck with me through my life. Yeah, and was that in, um, was that in New Zealand? Yeah, I was in New Zealand, Christchurch, New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and what made you decide to uh, move to Australia? Uh, that's a, actually, uh, that's a question. I, I like that question because um, I had been living, working in this uh, world over there involved in music and, and, and I just realised that New Zealand was small and there was more to see in the world and I'd realised that. And I'd moved to, um, I, I went and lived in America for a year, lived in New York and uh, my visa ran out so I had to come back to New Zealand and back to the same job I actually got my job again and then I was kind of like I was bored bored senseless really and I was uh, avid skateboarder and keen surfer at the time and I read a lot of um surf and skate magazines um nonstop and I, I saw these ads in in the pages of those for um a company called uh 100% Mambo in Australia and I just completely identified with the graphics a guy called Richard Allen at the time had done most of more Reg Mombasa a lot of people will know and um I just went, it was like a bolt of lightning. It's just like, oh my God, it was kind of punk rock graphics, humor, dark and poppy. And I just went, wow, maybe I could move to Australia and um, work for them. I, <laughs> a friend um, a friend was working there in screen printing and he said, oh, this is a person you should call and uh, Dare Jennings and um, he owns a place. And, and I moved to Australia and worked in a, got a job in a record shop for a few months and um in, in uh, selling seven-inch singles, and um, I kept ringing Mambo asking for Dare, and they went, he's not here, he's not here, and finally someone put me through and um, they took me on at um, – I ended up in the art room there. They had they had a big printing department. I ended up in the art room doing sort of what I'd done in New Zealand and um, and just doing separations and, and you know, layout for um, all the printing they did. Mambo at that time was very small. I only did a few shirts a year and a few pairs of shorts, but um, um, they had a big – commercial screen printing business that did a lot of rock shirts and um and various clothing prints and um i worked in that art department and uh started sort of morphing into doing being a mambo you know employee yeah and like and what what years were these like what year were you in new york because um new york's changed a lot over the the years well yeah i lived in uh we lived in new york in at the end of 83 and start of 84 so yeah, that long ago. Wow, that would have look, been a uh, looking, It wasn't I. I kind of, um, uh, you, you know, my friends and I. I went with two friends, and we were kind of punk rock at the time. And um, people, you know, we lived in the Lower East Side, Ludlow Street, which, you know, I, I mention this to people now, and they seem kind of shocked and amazing that sort of we were living there then because it was it, it was it was really wild. And you know, there was a time when a lot of buildings were just burned out for insurance, and it was it was just like I wouldn't say a war zone, but the Lower East Side was really wild and you had to be um, kind of alternative to actually fit in there at all. And yeah, it was it was pretty heavy, heavy going, but I pretty, you know, there was shootings. You could hear guns going off all the time. You'd see people being bodies coming out of buildings and, you know, occasionally once a week or something. It was it was it was violent place. But um, kind of it was 
you know, it was exciting and that's what kind of people were going to New York for at that time and those days, you know, incredible art. Keith Haring was around and Warhol was still around and, um, you know, Jean-Michel was starting out and it was, it was, you know, very underground art scene there. Yeah. And, like, also with music and, like, graffiti and just, like, you know, there was so much happening, you know, back in those days. I guess there's still, there's always something happening in New York, but back then was, like, the birth of a, a, a lot of a lot of things that are happening now. You know, yeah. Looking, I agree. But looking back, I felt like we kind of missed it a bit. Um, you know, punk sort of over, but CBGBs was still open, and there was still lots of ba- all those bands that sort of got big, like Blondie and the Ramones and so forth. But it was still, um, it was still very vibrant art scene going on. And yeah, as much as it was sort of underground, I think, but um, yeah, it was, it was very, it was, yeah, it was full on. <laughs> it wasn't quite, it wasn't glamorous, but um. I guess, you know, because there was such um, a difference between the very rich people there and the very poor people there. And you know, there were a lot of poor people there and we were living on not much at all. But, uh, but yeah, it was an exciting place. Yeah, definitely. Um, so getting back to Mambo, um, so what, you, you said you were in there, you're doing like print separations and things like that. Like, um, how did yeah. you become uh, yeah. to do artwork with them? Did you just sort of work your way up? Um, yeah, I, I sort of, well, I became friends with, um, you know, with everyone there and I sort of was getting frustrated that I kind of wasn't being an artist because there was uh, a Mambo artist because there wasn't actually that much, you know, uh, things to do, to, you know, for Mambo. It was like, it was kind of closed door. It was Richard and Reg were kind of doing it. But, um, and I sort of got frustrated because I was just like doing what I'd done in New Zealand, but I actually wasn't particularly producing any original work as well. So, um. It wasn't until I left that, um, you know, Richard Allen gave me advice, and I, I tell people this uh, all the time. It's like, you know, he said, you only get respect on the outside and, um, of you know, and it's like of somewhere. So I left, and then sure enough, um, Dare just started ringing me sort of constantly after that, saying, oh, can you come to designs? You know, I'd actually been working there, and when I'd left, sort of, you know, asked me to come and do stuff. Yeah. And, um and so I, so I started, I went, okay, I should just start doing some stuff. But then I kind of realized that how hard it was. And I really, you know, realized what a kind of genius is, uh, ambassador and stuff and his super brain and his drawing ability and stuff. I was like, oh my God, it was, it was very daunting. You know, like what idea am I going to come up with? That's, you know, hilarious and, you know, encapsulated on a t-shirt print, you know, that people are going to like and buy. Yeah. But I sort of trained to do it. Yeah, we like when when you went for those jobs. Were you uh, looking for a creative role, and you just end up getting like you know print separations and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I probably I probably was, but um, you know, I wasn't being very you know in hindsight, I wasn't being very creative. And you know, you have to be doing original good work to um, it's you know you have to do stuff. Don't just say I can do stuff. <laughs> you actually have to do it. And um, you know, a lot of people get frustrated in their job because they're not getting acknowledged but you have to you know i was probably the same but you know you have, you have to start producing good work to get acknowledged and and do good work really yeah definitely yeah because I, I found the same like uh in my early graphic design years i you know i got into graphic design because i i really wanted to be an artist but um i didn't think that was a possibility so i went down the graphic design route and thought oh, i can get a job and get paid uh to be creative and then i realized in the early years how little creativity there is in um, certain roles in uh, in graphic design, and then uh, had to really work hard to get those creative roles. Had to prove myself, really, as you were saying. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, that's yeah. right. I, I think um, I, I th- graphic design is yeah, it's same same as me. It's just like you, you know, there's an art. There's, there's a big gap, I think. You know. So moving forward to. Uh, to where you're at now, like, um, like how's life uh, as an artist based in Byron Bay? Oh, it's pretty amazing. Um, I think, you know, it's life as an artist anywhere is not that easy, I don't think. But, um, but I moved to Byron Bay because it's, I'd always loved coming up here, and it's a, it's a little, it's a little town full of creative people, and um, the weather's really beautiful up here. You know, good climate, and it's generally inspirational. People are happy, you know, and um because they live here or they're visiting here and you know i feel like everyone wants in the world wants to come to byron bay and visit it they've heard about it but um i i, I mean when i moved here from 
15 years ago from Sydney. I was disgruntled with Sydney and um, thought I'd have a change. And when I moved here, I thought, well, I need if I'm going to move up there, I'm going to try and surf all the time for my own health, and but also introduce something to the art world up here. People were just painting dolphins and rainbows, and it was very hippie. And for a, a town that's supposed to be very artistic and and musical and creative, it was very stale. You know, there was nothing going on here. And through my life, through being involved in punk rock and various scenes and small things, I realised how simple it was possibly to change a community with just um, uh, new ideas, new impressions, new simple things. So I really had in my mind that I wanted to open an art gallery or introduce new art to this town because there was a lot of kids and they were really into like um, the sort of metal scene, the punk scene that was going on up here and they were sort of totally disgruntled. There's no work for them. And I just knew that, you know, it doesn't take much to change someone's life. They can walk into a music show and hear something going, wow, that changed my life. I can do, maybe do that. Or they can walk into an art show and going, you know, that's really simple and that's really cool. And maybe I could do, go home and do that. And it's, there's triggers and you realizing that there's a, a sort of a, a community or a world that you can out there for you sort of changes things. And um, I think that, that, I think that, uh, somewhat successful at that in this this town and various endeavors <laughs> yeah definitely well um yeah i've known your work for years you've uh you've uh you definitely made a name for yourself but, well um, i was trying to actually you know aside from that trying to um impress other people with you know how you can do it do it yourself um you know uh, as I always say, you know, my one of the quotes is like, um, draw some pictures, hang them in your bedroom, invite some friends over, you know, that's an art show. You don't have to uh, be stuck in trying to get a, a gallery in a city. Yeah. Well, I think more and more these days uh, people are starting to put on their own art shows anyway and just in vacant places and, you know, yeah. it's, it's just... Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I, you know, I don't want to don't know how to say this but i think the, the 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 traditional gallery mold is sort of starting to change now i think yeah well personally. the institutions are broke, broken i think yeah and mm. I, I, I just don't they're like uh, i don't know they're like taxis and uber you know it's a it's a system that's not really working for anyone anymore you know i don't know who, who goes into art galleries yeah well people do but i don't know i think i think as an artist as well working with art galleries with the way uh, social media is uh, these days and how people, you know, you can create your, your own brand of yourself as an artist. And, um, yes. you know, yeah. but the gallery wants to take, uh, you know, 50% and, but what, you know, but, uh, you know, are they really earning that these days? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I don't yes. want to talk down on galleries because I show with galleries and they look after me, but, uh, you know, it's just, um, I feel that there's, uh, you know, things are changing a lot at the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, my, I realized a few years ago that my world's always been outside of that, been outside of art and never probably ever going to fit into a commercial, that commercial realm of um, established galleries and um, everything I've ever done and my friends have ever done, we've done it ourselves with making films or making surfboards or, or skate scenes or building ramps or, you know, having art shows or having parties and events. It's like, it's kind of... If you don't do it yourself, you know, maybe no one else will. Yeah. And have you always, um, like, taken that approach to as far as drumming up work as well? Like, being that you're in um, Byron Bay and you're not in a big city like Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane, um, you know, like, is do you find it hard to drum up work? Um, it, it comes to me. I remember when I was younger and, and Richard Allen, once again, I'm talking about him. He was a hero of mine. And I just, you know, the phone would ring and he'd just get offered some album cover or some design job that was just blew my mind. And I'd go, how did they even know about you? And how did this happen? And I just couldn't understand it. But he was so talented that it would sort of come his way. But as I've sort of got older and sort of um, um, have got a body of work behind me, I sort of, you know, people do approach me now about good work. So I don't have to drum it up too much. But um, um yeah, yeah, it's 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 good on that level, you know. I I, I certainly pick and choose. I, I, as I've moved up here, I've got more particular about um what I do, and I just certainly say no to a lot of things. Yeah, 
just don't get a kick out of them anymore, really. Yeah, that's a good good situation to be in. I um, you know, I speak to my wife about this a lot, and we're both self employed, and you know, we just try and choose uh, the work that that we want to do now, and it's uh, it's scary, especially if you, you know you need need some money, and it's like, oh, I feel like I should be taking this job on, uh, but what, like, why take something on that you're going to be miserable doing? It's a waste of life. Yeah. Yeah, it's a waste of life. And that's the, another aspect of living in Byron. People really enjoy their life here mm. and, um, you know, make the most of it. So, yeah, that, that ties in with that for sure. Yeah. I've done. A, I've had so many jobs over my lifetime where um, I've dreaded going to work <laughs> and then I've got to work and I've had a sick feeling in my stomach of just like, oh, I, I shouldn't be here and I'm not enjoying this and, and counting down the hours I think, Jesus, you spend, yeah. spend a big portion of your life asleep and then a big portion at work. And then this tiny yeah. portion outside of that, you may as well be you know, doing something you really enjoy for your job. Yeah. You know? Yes. So, um, so I still, I still um, you know, I'm really, I'm, like, like you, I'm really strict at what, I, what work I take on. It's a hard thing to acknowledge because most people go, um, you know, well, you have to, it's work, you have to suffer, you know, you have to, do this you have to do 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week and it's kind of um it is very hard for people to get their head around that you you know in in our lifestyles it's like it just doesn't work like that you can be choose what you want to do yeah but that's like but that's that goes back to what we're talking about with um you know like the taxis to uber and all this sort of stuff this is a, a thing that's changing now i believe um yes you know because that whole uh you know you've got to you've got to do a job you don't like just to get the money to pay the bills and this and that. That's, that's an old way of thinking, I believe, anyway. It's like, uh, you know, people yes. have gone through wars, war times and then they've come out of that and they're like, oh, it's just good to be living in a normal world now where I can work and not in a job that I particularly like, but, you know, have food on the table and provide for my family. And now we've taken yes. that to the next level where it's like, I'm not just <laughs> going to provide for my family. I, I want to do something I really enjoy. I think that um, also that I noticed I've noticed in my history of my life that people who have really committed to a certain thing, uh, whether they be musicians or you know the Jimi Hendrix just playing guitar 24/7, or my other friends and bands, or you know, or pro surfers or artists, whatever that that uh, sense of single-mindedness and um, that getting on with it that it takes years, but eventually will get to a point. But it's that. Um, not deviating from that um, original, you know, that pure thought, really. Yeah, exactly. Or pure desire. Yeah. Yeah, because I think uh, it took me, um, I think, uh, about 22 years into painting before I uh, turned it into a career. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, wow. yeah. yeah. Like, how, how, long, how long were you, uh, you know, did it take you to get your, you know, get off the ground and working as an artist? Well, as a fine artist, I mean, I actually feel like it began two and a half years ago um and i'd been a sort of graphic designer and a kind of artist and i don't know illustrator and a whole lot of things but it wasn't until i was sort of moved up here and sort of saw what uh, we, we had an artist uh, had a company called art park and we had artist residencies up here and i was sort of exposed to a few artists that, that were here and um spent time with them and saw just what they did and thought, well, that, I really like that a lot. And if I stop and put, and put a little more energy into what I do, um, then I could perhaps do that as well. Uh, I got offered a show two and a half years ago in a gallery in Sydney and um, thought, okay, I'm going to have to put some work into this. And I, um, I did and um, I came up with new ideas and for myself and put them on the walls and people seemed to really relate to them and liked them and bought them a lot. And... I remember on the opening night going, oh, I was just, I'd forgotten this feeling about having a show and putting yourself up there, the scariness of that and whether it's going to be successful or not. And I thought, I really like this feeling. Maybe I'll, um, maybe I'll try and do that the rest of my life. And uh, so consequently, in that two and a half years, I sort of went, okay, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to paint fast and do artwork and have shows. And yeah, I, I, I sort of went on overdrive for a while there. I went to, you know, Tokyo and Bali and New Zealand two shows in New Zealand and uh, Thailand and just Portugal, um, just Melbourne, you know, just a, 10 solo shows in two years. And um, I was just like, yeah, that's what I want to do. What the hell? Just do the work, you know, 
be creative, come up with ideas, do art, you know. It, not everyone's going to like it, but, you know, some people will. I actually went to your uh, art show in, um, in Bali. It was the first time seeing your art in the flesh, and I really liked it. Um, oh, thanks, man. Like, one of the things I really liked about it is how, how loosely you work with spray paint. Like, um, yes. like, like, was there a time in your, your career where you were working really tight and you've sort of loosened up over time, or was this how you've always worked? Uh, no, I think it was. I think that's exactly right. I, it's re- been relatively tight, you know, um, t- sitting at a desk, working in a, you know, sitting at the box, and it's like sort of stepping away from it. And I kind of re- had this thought about spray cans, and I, I know there's just people out there that are just absolute experts with spray cans, but I kind of realised just how wild and loose they are. And if you do, so, you know, like a child using them, they just kind of squirt it in their face or get it all over something, and it's like they're very unpredictable. So I like that, and I, I wanted to work faster and, and um, more spontaneous, you know. For painting takes an hour, that's half an hour too long. And um, so I just thought spray cans will add to the sort of danger of that. So um, that's why I, I was trying to do stuff that's more simple. I was trying to – I thought I had better ideas than um, painting ability. So I tried to put those ideas out on a fast, immediate way. Yeah. Like it's like I also work with spray paint a lot in my in my work, and I um and you know how you were saying like people are real like whizzers with them. Like I, I've sort of I've worked like that on big walls and everything, tried to paint everything perfect, and I actually find that in a in the studio environment they um that that gets the overspray and the drips and all that that have the real beauty behind the medium. And I found in in the beginning it takes a lot of courage to work in this way. Like I guess my early ideas about art was that I had to paint like photorealism or in a classical style. Like, have you had any uh, um, insecurities about painting in this way? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like uh, everyone tries to has big ideas in their head about what how they want to paint, and then it's like you get a brush out and you just realise you can't do that. Um, so, in a sense, my art style now is that I can things that I can do, and uh, instead of that I can't do. Because uh, I see artists who are really frustrated, and um, because they're not they're so heady about it, and I just say, okay, I'm just keep moving, keep rolling forward, um, and keep almost unlearning. You know, um, you write you write about the sort of spray and the looseness. I've done. I started a surfboard company with two friends up here, and I did uh, about 400 surfboards of resin art, really fast. You get about 15 minutes before the fiberglass sets hard. The brush, it's it's very, very intense moment, but it's also very loose because you're just doing abstract sort of stuff. But it's like the drips and the mistakes and stuff just become so beautiful in that world that I realise that that's what, um, you know, that's, that's what somehow our primitive eye just sees this stuff and it sees beauty in it. It's like the simplicity of, of a mess, you know, and um, um, I think that's what's beautiful about you know, good art. Yeah. Like a lot of my um, favourite paintings I see are, are, are really basic, really loose. And, um, yeah, like I, I, I just think there's a confidence that comes from it as as well. Like, you know, I think all of us start out, like, with visions of uh, of wanting to paint photorealism. Like, personally, yes. I think as a child, like, you know, if you think about to high school art class or whatever – you sort of want to, yeah. You're looking at a photo for reference, and you're trying to paint that photo as close to as possible, but you don't have the skills yet. And um, no, and I've actually, you know, I've actually done that, and it's just like uh, then I sort of did it okay, and thought, oh, actually, that's kind of a trick, you know. It's just actually copying. So, you know, it's yeah. something we will move away from. Perhaps. Yeah. Well, not everyone. I think some people stick with it. Not everyone. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But um, but like your art looks like it's really fun to make. And it's always got a strong idea behind it. Do you, do you spend a lot of time thinking up your ideas or do they just simply come to you? Um, well, I sort of train, I think um, being a sort of mambo artist, you sort of have to train. Maybe it's like a writer or a musician or something where you have a book, you jot ideas down. You sort of have to train your mind to keep thinking up that stuff because it's a job. And um, yeah, the ideas come to me, but it's just a sort of mishmash of things. But I've also started recognizing it how observing simple things in life that are actually um, 
mother, maybe other people would question whether that was a good idea. You just go, this is a good idea. You know, be able to spot what's a good idea, perhaps, and acknowledge it and turn it into something, really. So having confidence to do that in a simple way. It's quite, I'm finding, I'm finding myself um, doing stuff that's so simple, I kind of don't know how to expand on it now a little bit. Like I want to advance my art somewhere, but it's like, wow, it's really stripping it down so much that it's kind of um, um, hard, you know, hard to complicate it a bit more because it's like, oh, it's too much words and that or too much art or it's failing, failing in its uh, simplicity. Yeah, but I think if you just keep doing your thing, like uh, things will naturally evolve as they, they always do. Yes, absolutely. Just keep doing it. Yeah. So what usually comes first for you, the uh, the image or the text? Um, sometimes a bit of, yeah, it's like a songwriter question. Um, sometimes I'll just, uh, often words, or just write them down on my phone. If I'm somewhere, I go, oh, that's that's funny. That's two words I'll put together or that's con- concept. And, and then sometimes I'll just walk in and start painting and spraying and doing things and then um, I just get a feeling from the painting and go, this is what I'm going to put with that. Or yeah, it's, it's more about feeling than anything going, okay, what's, what's going to be funny or deep or both, or that goes with that imagery. I'm, I'm making it sound complicated, but, um, yeah, there is, there is, there is rhyme and reason to my ideas really. Yeah. But it's-, it's quite surprising. It, it, it quite surprises me. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Raymond Pettibon, Keith Haring, all those influences that, you know, use words. And um, I kind of realise that, like, people take, um, if you add words to a painting, they take it really seriously. They just don't, you know, they they, they take, you know, they art serious, so they take it seriously. They don't have a laugh. Yeah. I once did a, um, a painting that was just a, a black dot, like a spray black dot, and wrote the words boiled down to this which I was basically saying was about that's all. That's all I'm doing, one black dot, you know. And um, But I spoke to someone about it. She went, oh, I thought it was about the oil crisis or so. You know, like, it's like, how did you get that? Yeah. Now, people people read a lot of things in the art. I've heard some crazy, like, theories behind my art from people, and it's just like, yeah, yeah I wasn't thinking that at all. I was just enjoying painting yeah. it, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but with um, but I find with a lot of like the sometimes the simpler the art, um, the more I've maybe the deeper the message as well at times. Like some people it's, can paint something yes. that's very highly detailed, and uh, there might not be much of a message behind it. But um, I think as you strip it back, you know, I find that I, like I really like how you play with words and, and imagery, and it looks like you know a lot of thought's gone into it. You know. Yeah, um, I, do, I do put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, I'm very critical of um of you know music or art and it's like kind of like or something it's like okay it's not it's not saying anything you know this song's not saying anything this painting's not saying anything i know it's you know what's the artist got to say i'm really big on that you know being touched Mm. by an emotion yeah do you have a um like a daily drawing practice or like a book that you 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 draw ideas in and and jot down notes and, and thoughts and stuff like that I don't. I often think of that, and I actually don't, um, because I, because I'm sort of working the whole t- all the time, and all, you know, every day doing something. I sort of, I sort of just actually have that in practice, and I sort of have a, a mind in my mind. I'm just having sort of working on ideas all the time. If something really jumps out at me, I'll sketch it down for later. But um, it's just generally my whole daily life, really. So. Um, and also trying to do such simple things these days, I sort of like can't overthink them a little bit, you know. Um, a friend of mine, Melbourne artist, is like he's a great painter and he also uh, – I know he likes to have six or seven beers before he starts painting because it's sort of like um, it numbs his brain as to sort of overthinking a little bit, you know, and he's just sort of like can, you know, just use his hand directly. And um, it's kind of interesting concept that sort of like stripping out the kind of um, – heady ideas yeah yeah because i um like me personally I, I i draw every single day and it was um something that i started over five years ago and uh it was it was due to the fact that i was um working in graphic design and you know there's a conceptual um stage to a project in graphic design but once you've gone past that it, yeah. it becomes quite uh just 
just labor. And uh, I was getting a yeah. bit frustrated the, the fact that I wasn't being creative every day. So I thought I'd just start drawing on a daily basis and um, generate ideas and you know develop develop my style more. And I've just found through doing that daily has has been a big it's had a massive impact on my art. Like because also if you're drawing every single day, you can't draw the same thing every day. Like I repeat myself a lot, but I I, I switch it up in a different way. Like maybe if it's composition or color or something along those lines. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've just found it's been a bit of a secret weapon for me. And even though I'm painting, like I paint every day in the studio, but I always, um, before I leave the house, I always put pen to paper, draw something. Well, interestingly enough, about um, 15 or 16 years ago, I actually had a studio in Bondi and had a huge table and I'd be doing my graphic design, my work stuff, and I was frustrated that I wasn't doing any creative, exactly what you're saying. And so I decided to, uh, the art shop had cheap watercolour paper and... I bought a lot of it and I tore it up into little sort of, I don't know, A5 pieces. And I had some black ink and some red ink. And um, it was, I, went, I did just did black and red and white artwork for about 10 years. And so I had this black red and I, I told myself a thousand paintings and um, works on paper. And so each day I would just go around the other side of the table where the paper was stacked up and the inks and I just would paint something and I'd just, I'd just flick through a magazine and paint a picture out of try and paint a picture there and add some words or just paint anything really. And I just kept, it would do like five or 10 or 20 a day or sometimes kept building up and building up. And I, was determined, I got to like 770, I think. And I went, okay, I'm, I've fulfilled that idea. <laughs> I don't need to do a thousand. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it was exactly like you were talking about. It actually sort of kicked me off into um, an idea, a concept, a, a simplifying uh, you know, I'd heard so many artists go, I don't have a studio at the moment. I don't have an easel. I don't have blah, blah, blah. I don't have a show coming up. And it was sort of, I realized there were all barriers that stopping people painting. And I thought, well, I can just paint cheaply on paper. And I actually turned, I had a show of that work about a year later. And then I also turned it into a music video, all those pictures. So I always kind of, um, and I, you know, a good idea is never wasted. I'll just put it on the back burner, maybe use it 10 years later or something like that. You know, it's like um, you have to sort of follow through with those good ideas, really, and they're always usable. Yeah, definitely. I know I, um, like, I've just finished a series of paintings based off drawings I did five years ago when I was living in Barcelona. And, um, and I don't know, like, the, I'm, I'm so excited about these paintings. They've just uh, they've, they've sparked something new in me. And uh, and it's weird because yeah. they're from drawings, like the, the ideas that were seem like really old ideas, and something I sort of touched on and never really developed. But um, but now they're coming back and they're you know they're finding their place in my art, and it's uh, I know it's 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 really fired me up. <laughs> now I'm looking through oh, all my old drawings, and uh, you know it's it's just really good. It's just good to have um some freshness come through from old ideas. Uh, I think another point too is I always, you know, I'm sure you do. I have there's two or three people in my life that sort of you artistically trust, you know, whatever they say something, you you know, the other people you show your work to. And, and there's always people that go, that's a really, you know, that, that stuff you'd thrown out. They just go, that's a good idea. You should follow through with that. Or that's a simple idea. Or that's, you're onto something there. You should do that. And it's like, you know, that sort of, okay, great. You know, I didn't see that, but you're right, you know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I know it's funny. It's, there's, there's certain people who who you know to trust, and certain people you know not to even listen to. <laughs> right, it's funny. And um, I, always, I always say that the answer's right under your nose. You know, always people ask me, you know, new names for their business or band names or or whatever it is or art shows. And it's like the answer's generally right under your nose. You know, people searching for a brilliant new bolt of lightning idea that's going to change the world. It's like, you know, just start simple. It's right there. You're already doing it. Just um, acknowledge it and, you know, advance. Definitely. Uh, being that you're uh, you're interested in, um, you know, skateboarding, surfing, you know, music uh, and art, do you find that a lot of work comes your way from these areas, just from um, being in those, uh, you know, social groups? Uh, yeah, I, I actually, that's absolutely right. People ask, you know, when I used to do a lot of record cover, covers and posters, people would sort of go like, how do you do that? That's like, you know, a very rarefied area. And I was just always like, you know, if, if you like something, go and hang around and get involved. And 
someone will say, oh, you can draw a picture or you could do the cover or you could do this or, you know, it's just involve yourself. People are always asking students about doing work experience. And I go, think of somewhere where you really want to work and say, can I come and hang out for a week? And you'll just learn so much. And, you know, if you're any good, they'll probably oh, we'll offer you a job. Um, I know that sounds very simplified, but it's like, yeah, just involving yourselves in things. These, you know, I kind of realized that I didn't want to give up my childhood of loving surfing, skating, music, art, and all those things. It's like, well, I can still have all those in the world. And, um, you know, it's legitimate now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Tony Hawk and Kelly Slater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's a good era we're living in where, um, you know, these underground cultures are, you know, becoming mainstream. And it's like, it's, it's like the two sides of the coin. There's, you know, all the, the core fans who are saying, oh, don't kill what we love. But then the other side is that people are actually making money off it and, and uh, can make a living without having to uh, get a yes. nine to five. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was, it was, sorry, go on. No, 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 go. Uh, I was just talking about, you know, there was a time when, um, you know, the stooges and, and skateboarding and surfing were just so underground that they were like people were beaten up for it, you know, and um, and they were sort of subculture that was not wanted in society now. They're like, you know, multi-billion dollar industries. Mm, definitely. But um, but you've uh, like you've worked with bands such as the Beastie Boys, Pavement, the Rolling Stones, and Sonic Youth. Like, how how did you get the opportunity to work with um, like big international acts? Well, you know, I just I guess I guess I've worked with them. I mean, I've hang so I've hung out in the same room with the Stones and um, done stuff with them. But I just um, all my friends, you know, I. My friends are interested in uh, art or their music promoters or just my lifelong love of music and being around bands. And a bunch of my friends have been music promoters and put on gigs and they've sort of gone up and up and up. And then, I don't know, that the sort of, I mean, it's just age, I think. You know, the opportunity comes along for someone to say, hey, Rolling Stones want a poster and do you want to have a go at it? And, um, hell yeah, of course I do. But can I just all add to listeners out there um the, the cooler the job the worse the pay <laughs> and it's like um it's just a fact of life you know doing doing you know stones the stones make a lot of money they make millions and millions of dollars per show and they keep their money you know just like all those other bands they don't actually realize that they realize they don't have to pay out too much to anyone and they'll pay an okay amount but um they just also know that by association you've done a Stones poster and it's good publicity for you, so they'll just leave it at that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I heard them, yeah. um, <laughs> I heard uh, Mick Jagger talking about, um, you know, the history of music and how lucky they were to fall into this uh, this time and place with their music where, um, you know, if you think about, you know, music going back to like cavemen, like tapping two sticks together or whatever, up until now... There was only this really tiny window where um, where musicians made a, a lot of money, and like they happened to fall into that, and they were saying how fortunate they were because like nowadays it's not the same, you know, like people aren't buying records and CDs like they used to. No, that's right. Yeah, people are making money that's off right. touring, that's and that's it. That's it. That's it, and that's exactly right. They're just lucky, and you know that that kind of this. We've all been depressed about you know, David Bowie dying and so forth, but soon these great, all, they'll all be gone, you know, there'll be no more Beatles alive and no more Stones alive and that whole, the first part of rock and roll, Elvis through to, you know, blues through to the Stones and so forth will all go away and we, nothing will kind of, nothing seems to have replaced them particularly. Um, yeah, and you can see how people are, uh, you know, really, how the history, you know, while everything now is so sort of kind of found that sort of cultural history is um, so, you know, and, um, and you know, Joan Jett, people like that, just like, oh, hang on, you know, they're the last surviving rockers. We need to, you know, experience it and see it. Um, I don't know what the world's going to turn into. I would hope that would turn back into looking at that stuff more and design and culture and so forth, but it seems to be disappearing. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't know where we're going, do we? We'll see what happens. No. No. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, we're on the road to nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so what are some of the, uh, your favorite projects you've worked on? Um, I don't know. It just it it's never, you know, it's it's always there's always good stuff happening. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, one of my pr- uh, proudest works is uh. I'm a huge fan of the band Smog and Bill Callahan. He's, he's calls himself now. He used to be called Smog, but I had a good idea, like with all those paintings I talked about earlier, and I wanted to make a video for it. I wanted to make it for someone. I thought it was a really strong idea. I wanted to make it for someone really great, and I wanted to make it for Neil Young, but I didn't know anyone that knew Neil Young at that time. And um, and I, so I made it for Bill Callahan. I got in touch with his record company here and threw it out there and made a little test. Uh, piece of it and with my friend Brendan Cook and um, um, he loved it and so it was it was, it was kind of this moment where and he happened to be in Australia he came to my house and saw the final copy and was just very moved by it and it was this moment where I kind of thought um, oh wow I'm, 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 I'm on the same level as my musical hero <laughs> I'm doing work with him and for him and it was a great it was a very good moment yeah I, I think that's where I get my most kicks out of is like um working with people that I, I really admire, you know, um, I did a post when I posted for the Rolling Stones, I was also doing one for the clean, which is the cleaner in New Zealand band who I just, one of my favorite bands ever. And I was, I remember getting like, Oh, this is my first ever clean poster. And it's like, I was so proud and happy about that. And it's like Rolling Stones. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> but it was, I, I guess I'm just more of an underground person, but yeah. Um, yeah. Some some of the projects. I my, uh, my children's books. I've written and illustrated three children's books with my friend Barry Devola, and um, very proud of those. That a lot of people, you know, weekly come up to me and quote those and say the kids have them. It's really rewarding. They just keep selling, and kids just keep learning them. It's cool. Mm. And with with the music video, is that uh, online anywhere on YouTube or anything? Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a band called Smog, and the song is Rock Bottom Riser. Cool. I'll look it up. Yeah, look it up. No worries. Please do. <laughs> so, uh, so Paul, you ready for some uh, rapid-fire questions? Ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, name one artist you think deserves more shine. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, well, it's just generally someone you love, and I, I, you know, every artist deserves more love apart from the huge ones making too much money. But um, Nathaniel Russell is a friend of mine from uh, Indianapolis in America. And I just think he's, uh, while he's, he's just one of the great modern American folk artists and he's really funny and very, very clever. And um, Nathaniel Russell, have a look at his work. It's very great. Will do. Um, what medium would you love to work with? Hmm. Well, I like a lot. I'd like to make my works bigger and sculptural. Um, I've been sort of talking about making, using concrete, and making big tilt slab waves or or something like that. I, I kind of like the idea of just having massive, massive um, concrete sculptures. Uh, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, I saw the um, I saw the mock-ups you did for the roundabout at uh, in Byron Bay. Yeah, well, that sort of inspired me. I, I sort of started talking to some builders about making those. I went, yeah, that's really easy to do. You should do. It. It's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, you put those thought you put those thoughts out there. Next thing you know, it's sort of happening. It's you know that's life. Yeah, and it's good as well because if you you can walk around any any city in the world really, and you see you know public sculpture everywhere, and so you know it's yeah. out there. People are doing it, and people are getting these opportunities. It's yeah. just like okay, just put your attention towards it. Australia needs more. Yeah, Australia needs more of it. Definitely. Public art. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, what's one skill you wish you had? Uh, skills. Well, I wish I was a better cook. Um, and I wish I could just pick up a guitar and play songs and play music. Um, I haven't achieved that very well at all in my life, but that's something I'm envious of when someone just plays music and it's like, wow, it's just coming out of them. <laughs> yeah. I bet you get a lot of them in Byron Bay. We do. Yeah. Some very annoying ones, but <laughs> lots of good ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who's your favorite artist? Um, there's a bunch, but, uh, most New Zealand artists, most New Zealanders who are artists will say Colin McCann, the great Colin McCann, the mysterious man who, uh, just did some of the most powerful work, you know, you'll see really. Yeah. 
I'll um I'll have to look him up. Yes, very good. And um and what of course, is, then. sorry, go. I've got I've got a massive list of other fans, but you know Keith Haring's always Andy Warhol's been a um uh, a huge influence on me, and Keith Haring. You know I've read reading their both of their diaries, which is just you know relatively boring, but um, also amazing. And it's just like you realise, okay, these people did so much work, and and that's work, work, work was their ethic, and that's how they did produce such good work and became so famous. Mm. Yeah, because I've I've found that some of the um, you know, people I've spoken to and met over the years who who have really made a name for themselves are like real workaholics. And, you know, people go, Oh, it's all right for them. They're they're successful and everything. It's like, yeah, but do you know how many hours they've they've poured into this? <laughs> you, know, you, don't, yeah. you don't just get good and get discovered from sitting around watching T V. Yeah. That's right. And waiting for it to happen. Exactly. I've had Thomas Campbell, who's an American artist, was out here in Australia and I said, Well, I'm you know, he was just doing some great work and doing everything, every kind of um, sculptures and pottery and painting and guitars and shoes. And I was like, wow, just like it's amazing the, the level you're at now. And he goes, 20 years, dude. It's like, <laughs> it's a good answer. Yeah, yeah. I interviewed Thomas a while ago. Good, huh? Yeah, yeah, really good. It was great to chat to him. I've been a fan of his work for a long time. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah. So, um, so what advice would you give your younger self? Uh, my younger self, um, uh, work hard, work harder, and ignore convention. Really, you know, the sort of um, grew up in a very sort of post-war, you know, English New Zealand, and it's like you know, it's just convention. So, no one was sort of saying, "Be an artist, be a musician, do whatever you want." It was sort of not like nowadays. It's kind of just I would just ignore whatever people were saying and follow follow your path, create a path and follow it. Really, yeah. If you don't know that what that is, just do what you enjoy and keep going, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Keep digging, yeah. Exactly. Um, do you have a dream project you'd love to work on? Um, yeah, it's funny. I was just in Japan and with a guy who had worked on Wes Anderson's last film, Isle of Dogs, and um, and had co-written it with him. And I thought, like, man, I'm really envious of that. <laughs> I would love to work on a film with Wes Anderson and all his, like all his body of works just been mind blowing visually and creatively and artistically. And it's like, that would be, that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, where are you wanting to uh, take your art career? Um, well, I kind of sometimes wonder if I'm already there, but you know, I, I'm just a, a great believer in pop art and pop art being popular art and, Working at Mambo and all the other T-shirts and graphics I've done, I realized that I just love the idea of people walking down the street with your art on the T-shirt. And I like it more than someone just having perhaps one picture, you know, that no one ever sees, that it's like just out there for people. So I'd like to populate the world with my art yep. in some way or other. Well, that mixed with uh, public sculpture, you will uh, you can really start <laughs> yeah. doing it, right? Yeah. Um. Do you have any uh, future plans or projects in the pipeline? Um, a few. I've got more shows coming up, group shows, and uh, show in San Francisco later in the year. Um, I just keep rolling on the shows, really, and they're spontaneous. And you know, if I get short notice or reach out, I realise that my agent now can sort of reach out to people. Uh, I should have a show somewhere. And they say you should have one here. And it's like okay, I'll try and make that happen. But uh, just. Just rolling on, I just um, um, I'm motivated to, uh, to to just punch through this this art thing I want to get out of me. Yeah, and um, and with with uh, having so many shows, like, do you find um, like when you don't have a show to work towards, you sort of like I don't know, just twiddling your thumbs in the studio a bit? That's um, yeah, that is that's an issue, and it's like I question myself whether I, I um, am. Only working, um, only working for bodies of work that are shows, but um, it's not really the case. I, I, you know, I'm always doing something, and I kind of forget that I'm doing something creative all the time, whether it be you know a mural somewhere or just designing T-shirts or designing posters. It's it's a constant for me daily, but um, I try to um, I 
for years, I tr- meeting Richmond Bassa 25 years ago, I realized that he was just a fine artist and everything revolved around his fine art and people didn't come to him for any other reason than wanting Richmond Bassa art. And I went, wow, I'd really like to be in that position one day where people ask you to do something, but it's just like your art and you can sort of hand them, here it is finished. This is how I want it to be and how it should be. And people just go, thank you. Great. And I always aspire to doing to being like Reg on that level, really. Yeah, and just as you know, being a graphic designer is is you you know you can get people just tell you people are paying you they they tell you what they want and it's not necessarily always the right thing. Yeah, do you um do you take a lot of commissions or do you just uh, you know make your art for yourself and then sell it on? I do I do commissions. Yeah, I definitely do commissions. People do ask, but um. I have such a, so much art that people generally are kind of happy with something they see or I'll present them with something else. I have, you know, a lot of big stock room paintings. I just do so many. And um, But people, people occasionally people do like to have something that's specifically their own. But, uh, um, but I, you know, as you said, in the world of the internet, I, I just keep churning paintings out and they have an audience there on on, on Instagram or Facebook or, or my website. So... I don't feel frustrated by people not seeing them. Probably more people see them on my Instagram than they do in my art shows, you know. Mm. And that goes back to our question about galleries. You know, it's like I'm, I'm about I'm about the population seeing it, not just a few people come yeah. to a show. Definitely. And um, and where's the best place for people to check out your art online? Um, PaulMcNeil.com um, is you can see my body of work, but my Instagram page at PaulMcNeilArt is generally i just generally feeding that with new stuff every few days so um that's good places in i think it's fresh and fun and everyone's got instagram right yep <laughs> yep <laughs> well um <laughs> thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat paul it's been great to find out more about your art and your life uh, it's a pleasure tom thanks for uh, inviting me to the show no worries thanks again for tuning in to another episode of bench talk To view images of the guest's artwork, follow us on Instagram at bench underscore talk or go to the website benchtalkpodcast.com. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or Stitcher. If you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode.